0: Welcome to Rounding Third, the official podcast of the Nashville Sounds. On the field, off the field, Rounding Third takes you inside Nashville Sounds Baseball. Here's your host, Jeff Hem. Hey, everybody, welcome inside Nashville Sounds Baseball. I'm Jeff Hem, joined today by Adam Neuss, the general manager and COO of the Nashville Sounds, for a special edition of Rounding Third. Whether you're joining us on the Rounding Third podcast or here in the video form, on The Sounds' YouTube and social media channels. Thanks for joining us as we're gonna talk about what a wild 2020 it has been in all kinds of different ways for the Nashville Sounds. Adam, what's been totally unpredictable in 2020. I mean, I know all the cliches get used about how who could have known that any of this was gonna go down. But here we are, the first week of August, uh, there's been basically no baseball on the field here at First Horizon Park at all this year, uh, and there will not be in 2020. I, I mean, do you step back, how often do you step back and just kind of look at what's happened this year and think, how how did we get here? This is just a weird, sometimes scary, certainly unique year that this has been.
1: Yeah, you know, unbelievable. And I uh, think of the buzzwords, uh, pivot, crystal ball, all those things that we've been trying to predict and and nobody could have predicted this i remember having a conversation with some friends in this business and i thought there was no way we would miss opening day and looking back at some of the text messages early uh march late february like what are the odds of opening day happening and i was like oh we definitely are happening and and i'm such an optimistic guy in general and uh and never would have thought that it would continue on this long but but uh but thankfully we have the best staff in all the sports so we keep Uh, pivoting and doing different things and coming up with uh, different ways to make it work.
0: I was going to ask you about that optimism because you're right. You are one of the most optimistic guys I know. And even on days where you might be frustrated or you are in a bad mood, you rarely show it. So how, how challenging has this been just for you as a human overseeing a sound staff, trying to get something on the field or in the ballpark where... So much of this is just out of our control. Best laid plans can only take you so far. And as an optimistic guy, I've got to think this is just eating at you because you can't control most of it.
1: Yeah, this is, I think the beauty of minor league baseball is anything that we dream up, we usually do. And rarely do we run into situations where somebody's telling us no, especially uh, somebody from a government side or uh, just the rules in the world. Uh, Never have we, been in this situation that that if we didn't dream it up, we couldn't do. And uh, sometimes I feel like we're in college athletics or some of those where there's some uh, mandatory rules that you have to follow. Minor league baseball, not a lot of rules. So uh, it makes me appreciate the job that we have and the flexibility that we have to to do cool things. And and, uh, we'll get back there, just waiting for people to tell us we can do it.
0: You mentioned March and that's, I want to go back to that and then work our way forward because you and i and a few others of the sound staff went to arizona that first week of march when spring training was going on and i i remember the coronavirus at that time being talked about it was out there um i remember being on the news on the television in the hotel when we were out there and it was sort of mentioned um not in passing but kind of casually around the ballpark those days nobody knew what was going to eventually transpire so we we came back at least i came back from that trip Um, Concerned, but not really thinking that it was going to lead to what it's led to. When when was the moment for you where you realized like, oh man, we've got not only a problem, but what could be a long-term problem? Because I think it was the week after we got back from Arizona when the NBA shut down, ultimately the NCAA tournament shuts down. Were those the warning signs for you that then the minor league season was going to have some jeopardy?
1: Yeah, I can remember taking my that 10-year-old daughter with us to spring training, and my wife was like, I don't know if y'all should go, and I thought she was crazy. And uh, we obviously went, but then when they came back and I had tickets to the SEC tournament here in Nashville, and, and all of a sudden that game got canceled last minute, and then and then they canceled March Madness. I, I thought, who would have thought that they would cancel March Madness? Such a huge event, and that was kind of the first uh, event that I was like, uh-oh, this Opening day might not happen. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and certainly didn't think that it would continue past that. I thought it was short term, but but uh, that was the first big alarming move that I saw.
0: Well, and I remember too at that time the other element. I mean, minor league teams across the country were dealing with what you just described, but then here in Nashville, the tornado had come through literally through the area that we're sitting in, affecting all kinds of people in all different ways, and so. I remember we got back from that trip and it was, well, let's get our hands dirty with the cleanup efforts of the tornado, which even put COVID-19 farther out of my mind, just speaking for me personally, because it was like, that's, that's not the immediate, and, but that was just as problematic then toward the season happening. It was just this weird timeline of things that you had to deal with. Yeah,
1: and thinking back at the tornado, my 20 years of working in this business, I think it was my favorite moment coming back. Uh, in a time of need and watching our staff without us here, uh, they just took it upon themselves to be the front porch of this community and they were already employing folks from all around uh, Nashville to go help out, uh, deploying people out into the the areas of need and so we just got here and jumped right in, ended up donating $100,000 back to the community which was. It was just a fun thing to get to see kind of what our role in this community could be, and especially as close as it was. Uh, I was proud of our staff jumped in and, and really became leaders in this community uh, right before our eyes.
0: So you get into late March, early April. We we realize and minor league baseball officially announces that the season will be delayed. Take us through your memories of some of the different conversations that were happening back then as we were all hoping for some version of a shortened regular season. I know you were in contacts with the league, uh, with the folks at our parent club, the Rangers, everybody was just trying to get answers to questions. And what's what's the new latest timeline? What was that period like?
1: Yeah, you know, I think the uh, partnership with the Texas Rangers was huge for us because they were, uh, the owners were talking with us about what they were hearing in the owners meeting. So uh, that was a huge benefit to us, but Looking back, a lot of that information ended up obviously being wrong. Nobody had the crystal ball on it. But I can remember still remember May 12th being the day that uh, once opening day didn't happen. May 12th was the day that it would for sure happen. So we uh, operated for a good month, month and a half on a uh, knowing May 12th was going to be the day and obviously that came and went and nothing happened. But um, every step, we got more optimistic that it was going to happen. And then it uh, just Kept never happening and obviously huge challenges to that happening.
0: That's where, again, your optimism just, and I felt it along the way too. I, it's amazing the range of emotions that this whole issue can bring. Cause I remember there were days in April thinking like, it's going to be tough for this season to happen at all. And then I'd hear one report or see something or hear a rumbling of a updated potential schedule or whatever you're thinking, okay if we can get going by June one, that leaves you X number of games. Like you can, it was like, I could see it both ways and it was equally exciting and equally frustrating. And I'm sure it was tenfold given your position back then.
1: Yeah, and trying to communicate to our staff what we're hearing and and just getting told so many different things. So you kind of live on each of those promising days. And and, um, again, every time they came and went uh, it was certainly discouraging and trying to reinvent ourselves after each announcement, um, it's just constant roller coaster.
0: Ultimately, a tweet from Jason Stark at The Athletic made public something that was already in the works for some time behind the scenes. Explain that timeline and when? When did the as what we eventually called it the alternate season? When did that first start to become a possibility? Because I think fans might be surprised to realize it was. You were p- trying to have that at the ready whenever the regular season may or may not have been canceled, which obviously it ultimately was.
1: Yeah, so way back back to that May 12th day, uh, when that came and went, then all of a sudden we were like, oh, we might need an alternate plan and come up with something. And, and so we were dreaming up um, concerts, movies at the ballpark, um, everything you could imagine, beer festivals, different things. And back in May, uh, the rules were much looser. And so we thought we could still do things if baseball couldn't happen. And uh, Alex Wassel on our staff called and said, hey, what if, what if we get two or four teams just playing each other here? And, and, uh, and we took that idea and just started rolling with it. And uh, got Chad Seely on our staff and Doug and you and started looking at who are the prospects that are out there, who could we get, how do we make this happen? And, and it was unbelievable, probably for two months Nothing slowed us down. Every time we uh, wanted to do something or took something on, uh, it worked. And so we thought, hey, this is going to happen. Um, everything's going in the right direction. And, and uh, it wasn't until just recently that we started running into hurdles uh, that we just couldn't get overcome.
0: And it was a pretty grassroots effort. I mean, you were essentially becoming an agent and a, a, a baseball operations general manager at the same time making these phone calls. How much did the the Jason Stark tweet about MLB's potential involvement, how much did that amplify players then reaching out to you instead of you having to reach out to them?
1: Yeah, it was, we worked uh, weeks before that on trying to come up with the best list of guys I was going through and trying to figure out who the best second baseman out there was. And and my uh, test for them was where did they play last year? And if they were second baseman for the Yankees triple-A team, they're probably good for us, and yeah. so we uh, put a list of the guys that we wanted, had contact information, and then all of a sudden that tweet comes out. Um, we were having some conversations with Major League Baseball, and then when they uh, leaked it, um, I thought I leaked it. I was like, who did I tell? And so I called uh, our contact at Major League Baseball, and they said, that's what it's like working with Major League Baseball, is, is people find out stuff. And, yeah. and so they leaked it, and, and uh, once that happened, unbelievable amount of agents, we had uh, the Boris group calling all the time. we had uh, every agent you could think of calling with trying to sell me on the the players, uh, their launch angle, their uh, slider, all the different uh, stats that I really don't care about. <laughs> and so they were trying to sell me on it and and uh, but it was, a pretty unique process, uh, just trying to, trying to think through how these players fit and fit in what we were trying to do.
0: Well, I would bet most people don't realize, I mean, you did and the agents knew because they're inside all of it, but most people probably had no idea. The the sheer volume of players that were looking for a chance to play somewhere, somehow, they just didn't know about the situation possibility here until it got out there. Yeah, or until you, unless you called them.
1: And I think that's what became pretty unique was that uh, all the major league teams were starting to release these 30 year old guys that have played five, six years in the big leagues and they were releasing them to keep the 18 year old prospects. And uh, so there was unbelievable talent. We put together 45 guys for this team. Uh, Every one of them played in the big leagues at some some capacity, had some service time. Uh, So uh, Really compelling story we were putting together to to show uh, kind of the journey for these guys, getting released, getting kind of one less chance to to keep playing. Um, A lot of these players were telling us that if they didn't play this year, they probably wouldn't get to play. And just taking that year off is, is devastating for guys that are 30, kind of late in their career. But if they could keep playing, show what they have, then uh, that opportunity is big for them.
0: I mentioned your title at the start, general manager and chief operating officer of the sounds. You yourself have joked about that GM title over the years because I mean, you and I both know how minor league baseball relative to major league baseball works. You've mentioned that you you lead the sounds from a business standpoint. Many people outside of the baseball world here, general manager, and they think you're like John Daniels or a Theo Epstein or a Billy Bean or whatever. But in this case, you sort of became that. It's kind of funny to me all the times you've joked about that title, but then as you're trying to plan the alternate season, you ended up like ne- trying to negotiate contracts. What, what was that like for you?
1: Yeah, and it was funny. I talked to John Daniels pretty early on, the GM for the Rangers, and he was helping me with the list and trying to figure out who the best players were. And he said at one point, you might put a better team together than what we would have put together <laughs> just because the unbelievable amount of talent that was out there um, so I was almost going to be set up to look like a hero uh, just because there's talent that should never be on the market uh, sitting out there without jobs uh, because of the coronavirus. But um, it, was, it was a fun process, fun putting those guys together. We put a contract together. We were ready to go and um, just got held up by, uh, by the government.
0: One of those many things about negotiating with players and fielding a team. One of the many things I'm, I'm guessing that you ended up or have done in 2020 that you never would have thought back in January that was going to be on the table for you.
1: No doubt it. And you know what? The the journey's continuing. We're we're talking now about trying to become kind of an amphitheater and trying to figure out different ways that we can do things. So all things uh, over the last few years, we've. Um, adapted a little bit more and, and done soccer at the ballpark. We've done Glow, a lot of different things, a major concert. Um, so all that kind of prepped us to, to what we're dealing with now. How do we utilize the ballpark for different ways and, and continue to do good things for the city?
0: I was going to ask that for a Sounds fan or a baseball fan or someone li- just living in Middle Tennessee who loves our venue for all the different things it is. As we are in the first week of August, what would you want them to know right now uh, about what could happen here in the short term or uh, looking at 2021?
1: Yeah, I think in the short term, uh, knowing that we have the best staff in sports. So we uh, have capable people here that are willing to do things. Um, a lot of the just the requirements and the regulations that we have to deal with, we wanna make sure our number one goal is to constantly improve that fan experience. And, and the fan experience is gonna change with uh, all the new regulations. So we wanna make sure Uh, whatever we put out there is still going to be a great experience, and although it's going to be different, um, we're going to do everything to make sure fans are safe, uh, but also try to create that same atmosphere that that people are used to when they come out. Um, So there's ideas of concerts, ideas of drone festivals, beer festivals, all sorts of things within those parameters. We've got plans for days on um, keeping that six-foot distance, keeping masks on, and and making sure safety's the priority. We're a metro-owned facility, so we can't Waver much on the, the regulations and the rules they put on us, but, uh, but we're actively trying to do good things to bring some quality of life to Nashville.
0: I'm thinking about 2021 baseball for a moment, but I guess it would apply even to any events that could happen in 2020. What are, what are some things that you learned or that got discussed with health department or with staff or in meetings, hoping and planning for that possible alternate season that you think will probably still apply as you host baseball fans in 2021. I know even before COVID-19 you were part of an effort to try to make this less and less of a uh, of cash use in the ballpark and just credit card use and as one example and that was already in the works. So what are some things that you think 2020 will have an impact on for 2021?
1: Yeah, the the cashless trend has been going on for a while and there's a lot of benefits from a business side but uh, as we look into stats and um, consumer behavior, most people are using credit cards or debit cards anyway. And uh, when you start incorporating cash uh, from a business side, that cash can go away uh, with slippery fingers sometimes, and, and it helps control a lot of things that way, and you learn a lot more about your customers. Uh, go that cashless direction, but um, that's probably the big initiative that I think we'll probably be forced into is going cashless. Uh, I think originally we were talking about not making it mandatory, but um, suggesting that it's cashless, and and I think now that all this has happened, um, you'll see a lot more of that all across the country, not just in minor league baseball.
0: And I remember a couple years ago when, when metal detectors went into use here, and there was an adjustment period probably for fans who may not have gotten there as early as they wanted to. Very soon after that, it was like no big deal. And I would imagine you feel like, while there might be some new things in 2021, when someone might come to the ballpark for the next time for a ball game, it becomes the new normal fairly quickly. People adapt to whatever they need to adapt to. I would imagine that's comforting to think about for you as someone who's leading the business here of what what it might look like as a venue next year.
1: Yeah, and again, we always think about what is that pain experience and making sure that pain experience is great. Some of the other ones is uh like the bags we've been a little bit behind our friends at nissan stadium in bridgestone on uh, they want clear bags and all that stuff and we've taken a approach of allowing bigger bags and not necessarily clear bags and a lot of it's because i watch my wife uh, bring three kids into the ballpark and have a bag full of stuff to keep them busy as you do <laughs> and uh and so we don't want to send that mom back to her car and so we've been a little bit slower on kind of forcing some of those clear bag policies and different things um, in the past. But again, this might force us to start going that direction. And one of the big things you don't want our security guards touching everything in a bag. And and so clear bags are starting to look like uh, they make a lot more sense than they did a year or two ago.
0: Even though you were hoping it would have been baseball here in September with that alternate season, Um, The possibility of concerts is pretty cool. And I'm sure you're getting asked by people, who might it be, what might the acts be? I'm sure there are a lot of things to iron out and you can't share all of it, but um, there there was a concert here with Kings of Leon a couple of years ago that went really well. So clearly this venue can host things like that, even if 2020 is gonna make it look a little bit different, that possibility has gotta be pretty cool.
1: Yeah, and it's uh, the fun thing is it's been in the works about as long as the alternate season. It's been an idea it kind of became plan B for a long time because baseball is what we know. And we got really excited about putting that alternate season together. But uh, but this has been in the works. We've been talking with some promoters for uh, back almost till May and uh, working this idea. They've kind of just been on the back burner until we made a decision on baseball. And, and uh, once that decision of baseball kind of coming and going, uh, we shifted gears and we're a lot further along than we probably should be. Um, just because we've kind of kept it as plan B and kept pushing it Uh, knowing that that scenario back to not having that crystal ball of how long this lasted. um, We knew that there was possibility that we get to August without baseball and and run out of time. So we've always been looking at what that other option is and and how to keep this ballpark at least as full as we're allowed to
0: between um, the evolvement of 2020 I know we're not doctors, but you hear about the good possibility of a vaccine of some sort and April of 2021 in a lot of ways seems like far off. I I feel like there's plenty of reasons to think that we can have a normal or at least a new version of normal uh, from a baseball standpoint by April 2021. I know you mentioned you're inherently optimistic. Um, Do you feel that way about baseball next year?
1: You know, I do and I I have become more pessimistic over the time because I keep saying
0: you've been tested, (laughs) uh,
1: I've been tested a lot. But I do think um, I I still can't believe that it lasts all the way till April. And um, hopefully we get to a point that we can be back up and running and and doing our business again. Um, But the minor league baseball as a whole could look completely different. Yeah, this is one of the unique years that that our agreement with Major League Baseball is up. And uh, and so they're negotiating some different things with Major League Baseball. Uh, as we speak and so it'll be interesting to see kind of the new direction of of what minor league baseball looks like i don't think the model has been tested for 50 75 years it's been pretty steady for a long time and uh and manfred and some of those folks are are looking at changing things uh, more than they have in the past so um, luckily here in nashville everything should be nice and smooth Uh, but we, we again, 2021 might look completely different than what we're used to. So a whole nother challenge um, than what we usually have.
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask about that to end and at least if there's anything you would want to remind fans at this stage, I think for a lot of it, uh, the sounds are kind of just waiting to see how that plays out. But I'm sure you get the same questions like I do. If the article comes out, people say, hey, I heard some minor league teams might go away and then you're left answering questions that you don't necessarily know the answers to, but at the same time, we know some answers. The sounds are no jeopardy of ceasing to exist next year. This is a great ballpark. The organization is well run. So like there's sort of this talking off the ledge when an article comes out about that. But at the same time, you're right. We don't know what, there might be some realignment. It's just a lot of unknowns right now. So what would you want people to think about right now based on what next year could look like?
1: Yeah, you know, luckily I think we're the best ballpark in the country and and the best staff and the best uh, operation in general. Um, so, Major League Baseball loves what we're doing here. Um, I think a lot of the teams that are going away, uh, it's mainly because of the facility and not having. Uh, they don't want to. Major League teams don't want to put seven million dollars into a shortstop and then he go to um, some ballpark that has holes in it and not yeah. playing conditions. And then he gets hurt, and that seven million dollar investment goes away. Yeah. So
0: From lower levels of the minor league. Yeah.
1: So a lot of it's uh, facilities, standard stuff. And uh, but again, we got the best ballpark in the country, so we uh, have no worries about uh, the future here. It might just change kind of the teams we play, and and um, a lot of it's kind of travel dictated. Uh, they don't want their guys necessarily flying to Tacoma anymore, yeah. and and they want to make sure that. Uh, the team in washington nationals aren't having their triple a team in fresno uh, just because they're the last ones uh, to be picked so uh, they're wanting to change some of that kind of stuff up to where it makes more sense for the big league team but i think we have a great partnership with the rangers and and, and we'll continue that and i don't see a whole lot changing
0: yeah I, I think a lot of what gets rumored about with what they might do makes a lot of sense I think you know those of us who work in the minor league baseball world just want our our friends around the industry to have a chance you hear about teams in smaller markets so you just you, you're rooting for them to get a chance to be part of it rather than cut from the table yeah that's how I feel about it
1: yeah it's a the 160 teams have been around for a long time so we become friends it's a fraternity of some sort and and to see these guys that they do all the same stuff we do, just uh, smaller market and smaller opportunity, and yeah. and you hate to see that for them, but, uh, but Minor League Baseball, there's great leadership there, and it'll continue to, to do well. It's just uh, a lot of decisions that, that we're not sure where they're going to go. I think Rob Manford showed that he's uh, makes decisions a little different than everybody else, uh, so there might be things that come up that, that we're not ready for, but, but I think Minor League Baseball as a whole, we adapt. And, uh, and get better every time.
0: Well, you mentioned it you've been you've been tested this year with your optimism, but let's end on a, a what a positive note. I mean you've got a lot that I think is driving more optimism, whether a short term or long term. and, and I, I'm sensing that you're just trying to stay as positive as you always try to be.
1: Yeah and, and again, having all these uh, different plans and, and now that we're starting to shift gears and do some, uh, these concerts it, it gets us really excited to just showcase uh, that we can be more than baseball We can be a venue that, that again brings that quality of life to Nashville We want to be that and we want to showcase uh, How we can adapt with all these new rules and kind of show Nashville how we can open big venues again and we wanted to be the leader in it and uh, and Hopefully we have a chance to show that we can be a leader in bringing fans back to these large venues
0: Thanks a lot for your time. I've wanted to have you on uh, the podcast version of rounding third for a while i never thought these would be the topics we would discussed <laughs> when i had you on but uh that's 2020 but thanks as always for your time hey
1: thanks so much appreciate it
0: that's adam news thanks so much for joining us whether on video or on audio today here on a special edition of rounding third thank you for listening to rounding third the official podcast of the nashville sounds For more information about Sounds Baseball and this podcast, visit nashvillesounds.com slash podcast.